0: And mm-hmm. people's back again live on the people's voice podcast and um, we got today my brother jason and also my brother daniel john here in chicago Uh, we're missing neo today because neo is in action as many of us have been he's he's staging a silent protest in tulsa so y'all send some love down to neo as he carries the movement in his city um, especially on the heels of the Tulsa massacre that happened in 1921, uh, which the anniversary was yesterday. So we go do this like we always do. We're going to have real talk. Um, We're going to talk about solutions. We're going to talk about problems. We're going to talk about it all. And the, the conversation going to be real and raw. So if y'all want to get in, drop those comments and questions in the um, chat box, and let's get to it. Um, so... I think it's important, you know, as always to have this conversation because um, I'm sitting here and with mixed emotions today, like what's happening in our communities is devastating. Um, you know, mixed emotions, emotional, because um, I personally witnessed the South Side of Chicago torn the fuck up yesterday. And um, in the midst of being and all that is, you know, you have an adrenaline high, you just watching everything going on. But when you get in that space of being alone, you know everything hits, and so at the point where everything hit, I just broke down and I started crying. you know my I was heartbroken um so we're just gonna talk about it today, like I think that we need to have a space to really talk about it, dish out get our emotions out, and again talk about those solutions and strategies because um we have to overcome this, you know, and I know that we're in a moment of unrest and all kind of things, but you know we have to talk about solutions as always so Let's kick it off. Um, I want to hear from y'all about how y'all feeling, Jason and Daniel, whoever wants to go first, just go ahead and have at it.
1: Uh, Well, I'll say happy Monday, everyone. Uh, You know, we have to find some peace and joy in these times, you know, as difficult as it is. Um, You know, last week we kind of mentioned that even though, um, you know, the protests are happening and, you know, people are outraged, um, the pandemic is still happening. Uh, people are still you know sick and without you know basic needs um, you know there are people that are really struggling with real life you know situations as black and brown people you know those things don't stop so um, you know I'm just really taking a moment to you know kind of take everything in um, and finding creative ways to you know express my anger because life is happening um, you know, to all of us so I'm um, you know giving a shout out to Neil I'm glad that he's out there you know in action um, and glad to have Daniel on with us today to really you know help bring some light to what's happening um, you know bring some things to the table and also you know drive some solutions home so happy Monday everybody
2: hey good afternoon everybody um this has been actually a really difficult time for me I went from like we talked about it and a lot of people have been talking about it a different range of emotions you go from anger and i think it's the range of emotions i still have anger but my anger is now being directed in different places mm-hmm. it's directed at the man who killed you know floyd it's right. directed at the justice system it's directed at institutional racism it's also directed at our community, you know, people in our communities is directed at the people, the anarchists who are, in, who are here. It's just so many different places where my anger is directed at right now. I'm also just so disappointed. You know, I just feel like we're, we have studied the lessons of the past so many times. We watched Baltimore burn down that city a few, a few years ago for Freddie Gray. Mm-hmm. A lot of us kept saying, man, they don't have anything out there. What are they doing? You know, why would you do that in your own community? And I get the anger, the rawness of everything too, but we have to understand that we always have to keep protecting our own, no matter what, it's going to hurt. I get it, you know, the pain, I get it. And it's not that I'm even against necessarily a certain sense of civil unrest, but I just wish that, you know, things played out differently as we can, but we can kind of talk about it a little bit more, but yeah, sorry, it's just a lot. So, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Tanisha, go ahead.
0: I just want to I, I, want to unpack this because it's a lot, you know, like, then you brought up Baltimore and, you know, we, we saw what happened in Ferguson and we saw what happened in Florida, you know, um, and at the end of it all, Black communities were destroyed, Black people endured more trauma, and so we, so there are a lot of different dynamics at play here, right? So we do have people protesting and people still committed to the cause of bringing justice for George Floyd. We do have civil unrest, but then we have senseless fucking looting, senseless and selfish looting. And um, even yesterday, like my sister brought up the point of when they were burning Minneapolis down, like everybody around, everybody around the country was like, burn that motherfucker up, right? And so then when it hit home, in Chicago, it's a different sentiment. I'll, I'll admit that. I will admit that because it's it's different yes. when it's so it's in your backyard. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. The thing is is what people? What was frustrating me yesterday was um. So I I got the eerie feeling Saturday night when I was out and I saw them shutting like barricading downtown. So they go protect downtown first. They go protect the white money and the businesses, and they left our um, communities open for you know just fun and games, and um. So I knew there was an eerie feeling that I got Saturday night and then Sunday I got word, Daniel, we were talking about how they were, you know, uh, several black businesses had been vandalized and moved. So my mission wasn't to go out and protect the Walgreens or the Walmarts or the Targets. It was about those black communities that, you know, that keep us in sustainable places and they're making money to, to you know, feed their families and pay their bills. That was what I was about protecting. And so when we talk about the different dynamics of the protest and the looting, how do y'all feel about people looting, not in the name of George Floyd, but looting because they saw it happening in other cities and it's just, they see it as an opportunity to get some shit for themselves.
1: You know, I feel like I understand their anger, um, but then, you know, we have to also exercise, you know, self-control. I mean, these atrocities have been happening and we have to come up with, you know, a better way. However, I'm not judging the people who are expressing their anger in ways that I may not. Um, Now, I do have a concern with looting because what, of course, the media is not covering, is not showing, is the mixture of people that are, you know, taking part of this. Andrew Young was on the news last evening and he was speaking about how when they have been on calls and, you know, our mayor, Keisha Lance Bottoms, was getting informed about what's hey, happening. It, right. <laughs> it's it's not it's not natives. It's not people who even are living here in Atlanta. It is people that are taking advantage of, you know, what's happening. Everyone is invested in this. You know, we clearly can see that this president is fueling a race war. That's what he Wants. And that's what he is, you know, empowering his constituents to do. You know, one of the things I found very interesting was that when I saw peaceful protesters in Atlanta leaving from demonstrations on yesterday, they were recording piles of bricks just on the side of the street. And there ain't no goddamn construction happening. Now, Mm -hmm. where are these bricks coming from? And that's where I get conflicted because I love. Mayor Bottoms, all day long. We went to the same high school where Astros, T.I. is an Astro, Killer Mike is an Astro. So I have, you know, much love and respect for them and our principal, Dr. Hill, and Lester Butts would instill in us that we have our people's back, you know, in good times and in bad times. But I am conflicted about the lack of accountability for people who are purposely trying to fuel race wars in these different cities because they're not being held accountable and then it's the lack of response. I saw protesters sending videos of people who, you know, are black, are brown, are white, that were purposely doing things and they were on video and they were tagging the news. They were tagging leaders and no one was saying anything. So people want the protest, they want to continue to make it known that we are just as sick of this shit That's the people who feel like they need to burn things down. But we have to have a clear cut balance. And I feel like that is what is missing. The balance that we need is accountability. And we don't want to hold people accountable who are making a bad name for these peaceful peaceful protesters. We're only focusing on the riots, but we're not focusing on the protest and what the protesters are calling for. We want support for black owned businesses. We want the police to stop goddamn being so, you know, on attack mode when it comes to people of color. You know, we want affordable housing. We want people that are in these elected offices to be doing the right thing for all citizens. They're not carrying that message. They're just carrying the message of. Look at brown and black people acting a fool and tearing things up, but they're not looking at what the message is.
2: Mm-hmm. You make a lot of good points. Um, I, and when I was looking down, I was taking notes because I just wanted well, a couple of things. I want to make sure I didn't miss um, from the discussion, and especially what you said, uh, Jason. I'm going to start with one thing. You know, one of my friends brought up um, something. She lives in Brooklyn, and she said that they did a good job protecting black businesses because they know what black, which black businesses are in the community. And when I think about the community, the black community now, it kind of shows just how disjointed we are sometimes Mm -hmm. because had we really invested in these places, had a relationship with these places, maybe there would have been a more, a a bigger onus on us to want to protect these places,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: you know? And I think that's super important that, when we're talking about pre- protecting the black community and all these different things, for one, the black being in a community that's predominantly black doesn't make it a black community. Let's mm. talk about that. Mm. Okay. And what I mean by that is, yes, I live in Gresham. There's a lot of businesses in Gresham. You know, there's a lot of black business in Gresham. Nigga, half of uh, Gresham is renting. You know what I mean? Mm. We, ain't, we need to start owning Ownership in these places means something. And ownership and learning, and learning to love another business. You know, there's one business down the street that just opened up. It's a little coffee shop, Custer Shop, you know, on 79th right here on, on um, I ain't going to say exactly where I live, right here on 79th. But um, it was remained untouched. Mm-hmm. Because they did a good job of integrating themselves within the community. There's businesses down here, you know what I'm saying, they got touched up. But that remained untouched because a lot of people stop there on their way to work. Even with the pro- the coffee, sometimes it's a little a little expensive, but mm-hmm. it's, it felt like ours. It felt like a nook, you know what I mean? It felt like a place that you can be black, have your own refuge. Like that was that's like our little Starbucks in this neighborhood. You right. And that's what we want to see. I hope One thing I hope that comes out of this whole cleanup is the fact that when we're looking at these black businesses that we're cleaning up, that we're helping, that we're helping get back on his feet. I'm hoping that the owners are out there. I'm hoping that more patrons are out there. I hope we're talking to each other. And I hope that we're making the list about how do we put these people. You know, I know there's Facebook lists and everything about all the black businesses. But how do we really push that message out to make sure that we are in communication and we're connecting with these places? How do we leverage these large organizations like the Greater Gresham, you know what I'm saying, Association? How do we use that organization to really put out the message? Like this is ours, yeah. Protectives, and where was their voice in all this too? You know, like mm-hmm. that's another that's another thing for a different day. But you know, you talked about you know the looters and you know what did it look like? Well, my my good friend's an uh, assistant's attorney, and he telling me people from Waukegan, people from Milwaukee, people from places. I mean, not up uh, in Wisconsin that. Aren't connecting to a big city, but Chicago's closest one. They came down here, and a lot of them were getting arrested, and a lot of them white, and a lot of them were from other, uh, other ethnicities. They were down here doing a lot of the looting too. But you're right; the, the message is the fact that we're the only ones destroying our own. And yes, we are cul- culpable in certain senses, but it ain't just us. Oh, right. Like it ain't just us, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm tired of that message. But at the same time, when we know it's not just us and this is our community and we have to wake up to wake up to it tomorrow, protect your shit. Yeah. yeah, Protect it. Do everything you can to protect it. And like, talking about, there has to be accountability. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Everybody's in. Everybody's like, to Start holding each other accountable. And when we talked about the protesters, and I agree with you. I really agree with you, uh, Jason, when you talked about there has to be a space for that. And there has to be a, you know, we can't forget about why we're protesting. We can't forget about how did this all start. One thing I would say that, you know, that it was really a shining light is the fact that when it comes to the protests from like the 60s and the 70s and 50s, it was always a leading voice and we know who to turn to and all these different Mm -hmm. things. Protests now get done by different groups and everything, but we can never identify who's really taking the lead going forward and what's the next steps afterward. Right. And this is beyond this, you know, death that just recently happened. I'm talking about the last few years where we've seen, we say Black Lives Matters group and things of that such, but who's taking the lead? Right. Like, who's saying, like, you know, who can we say, like, this person is the person that we're looking at. This group particularly is the group that we're looking to lead. You know, we have used protests for moments and have stopped using protests for the next steps, like policy and the things that that such. That's a huge okay. issue with me.
0: Let me let me jump in here real quick, because one of the things that when we talk about the the infiltrators, right, I get it. Like they are here. They agitating shit. They the ones busting out, you know, business windows and starting fires and kicking the looting off. Like I've seen a few videos with it. Um, what I'm frustrated about is I'm tired of us falling for the okie doke. And here's what I mean by that. So again, Saturday night, I saw them, you know, building a protective barrier around ga- downtown with garbage trucks and um, police cars, shutting it off, pushing all the looting into the south and west sides. And so that gave those infiltrators, you know, the green light to come into our communities and start shit. And we followed that. And we followed it throughout history. And so it's like, when are we going to be, when are we going to wake up and learn that the powers that be, whoever they are, and we know who they are. Um, again, you know, affluent white people, people in office, skin folk that ain't kin folk, when are we going to wake up and know that their agenda is not the same as ours, and that the overall goal is to keep us, again, under this thumb of oppression, and if they see us rising in any way, they're going to destroy whatever we have. So, you know, it's evident again, like, again, yesterday was the anniversary of the Tulsa massacre. Yes. And so when do we, that's what frustrates me, is like, We see some white person bust some shit out in our community and it's like, oh, okay, go right behind them and tear tear it up when they go, go back to their motherfucking mansion. That's, that's the first part. The second part is when I got home yesterday and I had the opportunity to reflect, I took ownership of the destruction in our community. And I kept saying, we allowed this. We let, we let, um, the city again, barricade downtown and send, um, send these looters these 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 looters to the south side and the west side we shut down our pharmacies where our senior citizens get our medi- get their medications we shut down grocery stores in in food deserts and i say we because we have failed to uplift our communities and then so it, it kind of connects to your point about who's leading what no one's really taking ownership of these efforts, of these movements, and it's like we hop up instantaneously when things happen, and then when they die down, we go back. You know And so I say we do that, and it's up to us, if we're going to really keep this going, then we have to accept accountability for where we failed in working with our youth, and realizing the, the, um, the controls that white supremacy has over our communities, and being proactive in what we're going to do in the future, so that we won't run into this again. So when we're talking about community, that means all of us. So nobody was individually responsible, I guess, yesterday we, or over the weekend. We all were. So I just wanted to, to highlight that because um, as much as I was out there, like, you know, being critical of the people who were looting and tearing up the neighborhoods and being supportive, I feel because before this, there was probably somebody that I could have reached out to and maybe prevented them from being out there.
2: So, you, you know, at this point, you, um, both of us definitely pay attention to politics. We talk about things in the community, but I think you have a greater beat on, you know, things out in the community than I do, you know, especially just having a kid and everything. Um, but, you know, one thing you brought up was about, they said that, you know, they have their agenda, their agenda, and, you know, and I agree with you, they do have their agenda compared to ours, but I need to ask you, what's our unified agenda? And I need one of you to answer, an- answer that question for me, honestly. And I bet you I'm gonna get two, two boldly different answers from the both of you.
0: Oh, of course. I'm gonna tell you, I, because, can't, I can't tell you.
2: Right, there, I don't believe that we
1: have a unified agenda because again, there are so many layers of the black community, you know. That's a good point. I've heard from my, you know, classmates, from people who are natives in Atlanta, like, you know, we respect Killer Mike and T.I. and, you know, even, you know, Mayor Keisha Lance Bottom, but if we can really be honest, they are within the 10 percent of, you know, the black people who have, you know, the autonomy or they even have the know how to gain the wealth and, you know, navigate through the politics. And, you know, they can maneuver on both sides of the lane where the average black person in, in Atlanta doesn't have that ability. So when Tanisha is talking about community, you know, what's lacking is communication we can't build community because we don't communicate Impact. and we're not communicating because if we were the message of solidarity would be carried over into our churches and black preachers will be saying, Listen, we do need to pray. We do need to stand in solidarity, but we also need to be out here voting. We need to be out here providing water for those that are peacefully protesting and saying, Hey, love is the way. Like, we don't have enough of us that are collectively doing this together because we are not collectively communicating. Um, I'll end that point with this Roland Martin, you know, was sending out a tweet and he spoke on his platform about where is our mainstream television show, our news broadcast that is led by us for us to speak to these issues so that we can have a collective platform to say, listen, here are the drastic concerns and issues in our community because it's not just affordable housing, it's not just mental health. We don't even tap into the reality that education is the key to unlocking our freedom how many people are supporting public schools how many people are in these schools working with our children and our youth and are donating to summer camps and donating to after school programs and in early learning centers making sure that these kids are protected and you know are knowledgeable of what's going on we're not protecting our children when we look at the data of human trafficking black and brown children Black and brown children, it goes all the way back past the Atlanta missing and murdered children. You know, we want to make Atlanta Wakanda, you know, and I mentioned this over the weekend. We want to make Atlanta Wakanda, but we cannot forget the atrocities that have happened to youth and children in Atlanta. The scandal with Morris Brown, the cheating scandal, the Atlanta missing and murdered children, those children that were molested by preachers in Georgia that were swept under the rug by white judges, and the list goes on. So if we're going to talk about community, our community has to communicate the needs of what our people are saying, hey, we're struggling, we need this help, and we can't ignore those voices any longer.
2: Yeah, completely agree. Everything everything you said it's on point, we don't communicate with each other, and we have so many non-for-profits that we're starting left and right, you know, within Chicago, within other places, because everybody wants to do the right thing. But there has to be some type of central unifying body where the same messaging needs to be going out. And another thing that I think is important, another thing I have to look at my own self in the mirror is um, a lot of us who have quote unquote made it, worked our butts off to get you know to where we are today and things as such it's going to take a lot more selflessness going forward to invest our time back within these kids. Like you talked about, when you talk about going back and doing more with these kids, going back and doing more, you know, for the youth and things of that such, it's going to take a lot more of that, you know, because of the fact that we have let, we have, we've let our guard down. We've let our guard down, you know, and we've become so insulated, you know, it, I, I think about myself, like, where could I have invested more of my time? Where could I have volunteered a lot more? You know, how many times am I sitting around my couch really doing nothing when I could be helping somebody learn something, learn math? Because, you know, in some of these schools, they don't have uh, enough books for everybody to to be able to learn. Right, right. But I know how to do math. I know how to do a lot of different things. And I can show you at least how to pass and show you how to, you know, learn and build in this foundation here, here on. Right. But a lot of us who are doing decent enough for ourselves need to be more selfless and really give back and not just to the youth but the community in other different ways with our knowledge and experience that we keep trying to put on a damn pedestal. I get so tired of niggas putting their knowledge, putting their, 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 their experience on a pedestal and when nobody listens to them they get upset and run away from the table rather than continue to engage the table.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That is frustrating within itself to me.
0: Mm-hmm. better preach. You better preach. I think one of the things that um, came to mind after you asked that question was, and Jason, you talked about communication. I think a piece of that communication is building pipelines, right? Mm -hmm. But we have a lot of conversations. There's a lot of frustration around the fact that this, this, um, this disconnect between the old guard and the new guard in which we're not connected in this, in our advocacy efforts and um, this movement building because the old guard doesn't want to pass the knowledge to the youth, you know? And so everybody's working in different silos. The older, um, the older revolutionaries are doing what they do. So that's talking about specifically in Chicago, you got Jesse Jackson and people like Jesse sit down and then, you know, it's like on the younger side, everybody want to follow J Maul Green. And then the older people like, nah, we'll mess with J Maul Green. we really, again, when we talk about building a united agenda, we all need to be working together. You know, right. and so how are we bring in all of these different groups to the table and having conversations, regardless of the fact that we all may have different ideas on how to get to the goal, we all I think have the same goal in mind. And so I think you know, we need to create spaces in which we bring older generations and these newer generations, these newer advocates who may not have the strategy piece in mind. Because again, we, when we look at it, a lot of our, our kids, everybody's raised by, they, they, they're influenced by media. And so what they see is the beauty in the protest. And so yeah, they want to go out and set shit on fire and they want to jump in cops' faces and stuff, but they don't know in those, in those actions that there needs to be an ask. You know, And so how do, you, how do you set a strategy in which you make a demand and those demands are pushed through those protests? A lot of our kids don't know that. And so, we need our older generations to have those conversations, and even the generations in between, like us, who know about the old movement and the new movement, and we know about strategy building, we know about organizing and mobilizing. When we talk about reaching out to kids and educating kids, it can't just be that traditional education, it has to be that education of movement building that we've learned um, through our work and maybe even working with older generations. So, we have to create pipelines to pass that knowledge on so that we can keep these movements going and we can decrease the racism and the oppression in our community and really prepare our kids to be the leaders that they can be. Because at this point, um, what I saw yesterday, like I was threatened by a young man, my life was threatened. This boy told me he would beat my ass, you know, and (laughs) I wasn't scared. I went to my car and I got my back because if you want to fight, we go fight and I'm going to show you I'm crazy Joe. I'm back. Call me Batman. I'll beat your ass if you threaten me. I don't care who you are. But that just goes to show, you know, I don't blame him because you may have learned that behavior somewhere in the streets, media, whatever, but depending on what age group you are, you don't talk to an elder like that. And so it's not a matter of, it's not a matter of, um, well, I think it's a matter, again, we have to create these pipelines so that our kids have not only respect for their elders and respect for history and respect for movements, but they're equipped to keep those movements going. You so know, that's when you look, what my agenda is.
1: When we look at that, I, I wrote down accountability and leadership because mm-hmm. we know that, you know, there is definitely a barrier created through communication. Um, you know, I definitely want to not trouble the waters, but even for younger activists here, you know, in Atlanta for especially those of us who are around our age group and our generation, you know, I have reached out, you know, it's like, Hey, I see what you guys are doing. You know, make sure you're driving this message message. There was a young lady who was on the news the other day and I commend Tom Jones. Tom Jones was like, you know, you guys are the younger generation. You know, people are really looking at you like these, these, you know, youth are really out here wanting to make change. What message do you want to drive in that moment? you know, my fiance and I, we were watching, was like, okay, she's going to say, we, we definitely have to focus on affordable housing. We definitely have to make sure that our seniors are protected and that we are getting them out to the polls to vote. And we are driving voter education. And we are, you know, making sure that we have the right people in place to help change policies so that we can dismantle these systems in America that drive oppression. And she didn't hit it you know, she didn't hit it home. And I was like, that was an opportunity right there to drive the message, but she was passionate. She was out there because she was like, we're tired of this, we want to see change, but they didn't have, you know, what you mentioned Tanisha, the strategy. And one of the reasons why I feel like this happens is because it's not just this younger generation and I hate that, you know, so many people, um, you know, put on them that they don't want to be held accountable because reality is who does? None of these leaders are really being held accountable the way that they need to be held accountable. And what happens is when we have tried to bring groups together, well, I don't like how you're speaking to me, or I don't like the message that you're giving. So I'm going to go out and start my own nonprofit. I'm going to go out and start my own church. And so now we have everybody wanting to go and start their own church and their own ministry and their own organization and their own movement. And we're not centralized. With a base. And so we do have to say, listen, if I'm a Black Greek, if I am in, you know, clergy or I'm in the, you know, Black faith community, if I'm in the business community, if I'm in the accounting community, like we all have to come together and say, listen, there has to be a centralized message because we all know this for a fact that racism exists in every field in every level of the American system so we have to come together through communication um, you know accepting accountability and empowering leadership that is on various levels because if Jesse Jackson and them all leave here by Friday and guys say listen I'm calling
0: them all home what are we gonna do then? <laughs> like what are we gonna do? And you know they up there so you know we never know the day or the time they up there yeah. they been out to for a while. <laughs> what, what, what is Uncle Jesse doing right now? Maybe
1: on the Zoom call with President Trump. I don't know. I right. mean, you don't know. You were,
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I, had a, I, had a, I had a question. Like, you know, what we've seen, like, in Atlanta, we've seen Killer Mike come on. It's like, where is, where's the Black leadership, you know, in Chicago? Like, I'm like, where's Common? Where's Chance? And I know that Chance was out protesting against um, Black and Brown people being, you know, kind of uh, arrested and reprimanded for violating COVID um, guidelines, but where are the leaders in Chicago, except for, you know, we have Barack says some things, but you know, he speaks for national now, as far as I'm concerned, but where are, where's the black leadership? And I think that's a, you know, that's a question because one of the things that's come up is like, leadership is absent. Leadership has been absent. And so that's another reason why, and it goes back to, you know, Daniel, what you said is that we can't really get it together because there's no defined leadership. And I, I wanted to ask you, So we, I think we're talking about solutions, but I want to talk about, go back to that unlearning piece, because where did it come from where we felt like if, if we were working with a group or an individual and we didn't like what they were talking about or we didn't like their direction that we felt like we need to do our own thing? Is that kind of a crabs in a barrel mentality? What do y'all think about that?
2: It's pride. I think that, I don't think it's crabs in a barrel. I don't think they want, they're not trying to bring them down. They'd rather just walk away and just let them burn and fail. Mm -hmm. That's that's the biggest issue, which is
0: Mm
2: -hmm. that's the type of apathy we don't really need at all. Mm I definitely don't think it's crabs in a barrel. I think that mentality comes from the fact that ego. I worked hard. I know this. You all should respect me. And it also goes to make me think about as I'm saying this out loud. How do you view your brother next to you who may not have as much education as you? How do you view your sister who may not have is who may be higher in intelligence than you. Are you intimidating? Do you look down on them? Or do you also, I mean, do, are, are we all working toward the same thing? Which lets me sure. think that, oh, do we just have our own agendas and we're not thinking about the agenda of, 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 the, of the body?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I think thing. that it the crab in a barrel mentality,
1: you know, again, mm-hmm. our biggest force of pushing social change started with the black church. And I'm just, you know, being honest, that's where we were most organized, that's where we gathered, that's where we were collected, but that's also where we were judged. And so we're dealing with a spirit of rebellion because people are tired of being judged. Yeah. Um, people are tired of being ostracized because they're different. And in the black church, that's where a lot of us for years were told that, oh, my God, you're going to hell because you let your hair grow out natural or your skirt is too short or this, that and the other. And those things, too, weigh on us. So when I you know, reach out to even my students that have graduated high school now and they're in college or even those of them. And I guess I'm kind of dating myself now. Um, who have graduated college, you know, <laughs> their thing is I'm not connected to a faith-based institution because I don't want somebody telling me, well, this is how you are supposed to live. And, you know, we need to do this. And the Bible says that we have to do it, you know, this way. And, you know, if they're doing something wrong to us and we're just supposed to pray and turn the other cheek, well, God damn it, we're tired of turning the other cheek. You know, just yesterday morning, on Pentecost Sunday, my sister, who is our, our pastor of administration, was like, hey, can you pick up a couple of things for the service? Um, and of course, because so many areas in our community, as Tanisha mentioned, were looted, I ended up having to go, thankfully, to a, a minority-owned business you know, near our church that was open. And this guy is from Somalia, and he was talking to me, and I just wanted to share the story because it was so powerful. You know, he said that his wife not cried, not was in tears. She sobs every day he leaves the house, but he has to go out and work to make sure that his family, you know, is provided for. And he was talking to me and he was like, you know, um, you know, I have an officer. I don't know if they're trying to protect me or if they're profiling, you know, my customers because I had two other brothers that came in this morning and went as soon as they left, you know, the officer followed them. And so I was just like, oh, so he actually walked out of the store with me, you know, was helping me put the things, you know, on my trunk. I told him, I said, you know, we are not going back to church soon. We're just having a parking lot service. But, you know, of course, we would definitely patronize you and support you uh, because I normally would stop there just to get, you know, whatnots to support the community. Um, And as soon as I drove off, this white officer started I didn't, I wanted to say police officer, but white just came out when that's the truth, um, started following me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in that moment, I just was like, oh my God, I was like, well, should I call my parents? But I didn't want my parents to be, you know, up in arms and, you know, just wanting to reach out to my loved ones. And I was like, but I don't want to reach for my phone because, then that will be a reason to say, oh, well, I pulled you up because you're on your phone or, you know, you're speeding. And it's just the fear and the anger and the frustration and, You know, when I got to the church, after I got to the church, it took me 10 minutes out of the way. You know, the officer followed me all the way until I was getting ready to turn into the church. And there were members out there. So it was kind of like, okay, well, people go see me, you know, whatever the thought was. But it's just the fact that we can't even exist for simply doing the right thing. And so how do we change the mindset of these youth that are seeing us You know, even the three of us who are on this live, and we're doing the right thing. We're educated. We're giving back to the community. We're cleaning up, and they see us still being targeted. And so we have to come up with again the solutions to, you know, be understanding to this generation that is just quite frankly like, yeah, we we've tried it, Yahweh. We were peaceful. We prayed. We were silent. We. You know, Neil, we did all of these things, and now it's time for us to take a different course of action. So, again, I just wanted to share that story because we're not, just like Tanisha said, the, the brother came up to her and was like, I'll beat your ass. And in my mind, I'm like, where were our brothers and sisters at to help make sure that we are protected? We, in this moment, have to make sure that our children, our seniors you know our women are protected in these times and we can't do that if everybody is trying to build their own platform to get likes on Instagram and you know the whole social media age yeah
0: so let me let me say let's let's um let's circle back to the i guess the foundation of this conversation which is the the protests the riots and the looting and talk about you know since we we have seen um Jason you've seen communities destroyed in Atlanta, Daniel, we've seen what's happening here in Chicago. How do we rebuild at this point? And I want to spend, you know, kind of our last few minutes talking about rebuilding and connecting all of the solutions and strategies that we've talked about over the past um, past 30 minutes. How do we connect that and bring all that together and incorporate that into the rebuilding? Because we're not only talking about infrastructure rebuilding, we're talking about nation building and community building so that we can get to that unity and that, um, and to to strategically keep these movements going.
2: This, if this may sound, I guess, simple, uh, simplistic in some ways, but you have to do it step by step. The first thing is, let's start with what's the the the, the rummage, I mean, the rubble that's out there now,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and encourage we and you know, we, you know, Jason brought up a good point. Like we have to be the example. We have to really put ourselves out there. Be the example. Let's be out there. You know. I'm, my wife and I, you know, we both work, we have a baby at home, but we're going to try to find a way to get out there today to try to help clean up. You know, no matter what, even if we're out there for an hour and we'll be out there damn near every day this week trying to help our community, somebody else's community, so they can, so people can see that people give a damn and their families out right now who are whole families who are out sweeping and doing things on their own, got their own trash bins and doing whatever they can, That's the type of things we need to start doing. But at some point, we have to start identifying the leadership. We have to start identifying the community organizations that need to be unified. Like we have to get on one unified message. And that's going to take some time. That's going to take a lot of groundwork. The people who are leading the, uh, the protests, who are doing a lot of the positive things, we need them. Like show your faces, like be in the front. You know what I'm saying? Let's talk to you. The older generation, put yourselves out there. Let's talk to you. The church, the church needs to get, this is why I'm first, you know, I, I'm a church goer, but I, I get frustrated with the church too. The church has focused itself only on the message of the Bible, but there's so many things that are applicable to what's happening to us out there right now that they used years ago. And they knew that. Mm-hmm. And we have insulated ourselves to just say, follow Jesus, follow Jesus, follow Jesus and pray. They, they didn't do that. They're all of them willing to be martyrs at some point in their lives. Yep. And I'm not saying I mean, I'm younger. I'm not willing to die right now. I have a young daughter. I want to see her grow up. I want to raise her. I'm going to be very honest about that. Mm-hmm. But I want to put myself out there. Even as a Christian, you know what I'm saying? And I'm going to say that just because I go to church doesn't I mean I'm I'm only I'm only asking people to pray. As a church, girl, I'm asking people to do more. The church needs, needs to ask people to do more. Okay? There's this What'd you say?
0: No, I was, saying, I was asking if they heard, if they heard
2: you, because you yeah, inside more. The young people in the church and those elder leaders and things such, like they need to talk to each other, figure out. You know, all of us need to figure out what's our agenda going forward. You know, where do we, where do we have common ground? Where do we not have common ground? We're not. And there's there's space for what they did years ago, and there's space for what they're doing now. When the civil unrest happened, like I said, like you like you mentioned, I was like, Yeah, oh, shit, burn it up, fuck it up, you know? Mm-hmm. And then when it hits your home, you're like, Oh shit, you know what I'm saying? Like slow down. Right. And I think what I saw was the fact that there was a lot of passion with no agenda, which is something J- uh, Jason alluded to. There's a lot of yeah. passion. There's a lot That's of passion, good. but there's no agenda. There has to be a real black agenda. Like when we think about, and I'm gonna uh, let you, uh, let you speak in a second, Jay- uh, Jason. When we think about what is it that we want to pass on? What is it we want to teach? We need to build what it is that we want to go going forward. What matters to us? Economics matters to us. Talk about real estate and shit that matters to us. You know what I mean? Talk about art that matters to us. Talk about all these things that actually matters. Focus on those things. Insulate yourselves. I do not... I'm not a proponent of inviting the whole world sometimes into everything that you got to do until you get your shit together.
0: Yeah.
2: I'm, I'm, I'm not. You know, I. would. I, I, do I want white asian all those allies to come help with clean up community yes but when it comes to building our agenda there's gonna be some things that we've got to do on our own and figure out figure our own things out first
0: Yep.
2: if you ask what they want to do to be an ally this is a good time bring your ass out here and help sweep up these damn streets yep
1: i think that we definitely need to um you know focus on voter empowerment um, as people are going to the polls, you know, we all have to do our part. Um, grassroots organizers, you know, one of the things that I saw in Atlanta, a lot of the people who ran for city council and, you know, school board who weren't elected, these are the people that are out here in our communities cleaning up. You know, shout out to my classmate, Chris Brown. You know, he was helping lead the charge and making sure that, you know, black owned businesses were protected. These brothers came from all age ranges and they had on shirts like, hey, we're here to protect our community. Like you can't destroy this. Like we understand that you're, you know, upset. Even in the photos that I saw and the videos of people who were just so impressed by that and we're like man these brothers are out here and even little boys little black and brown boys out here you know hey let me give you a hug because we're going through hard times like it's things like that that matter um you know making sure that when people are at the polls do we have water stations that people got to stand in line for two hours like churches can come together it doesn't have to just be One church, it could be three churches that partner together and say, Hey, for the voting station in our area, let's make sure that we provide the water. Hey, baby, if you got the water, we'll do the ice. If y'all got the ice and the water, we'll supply the coolers. Like, we have to work together and collaborate. You know, I commend my pastor who is preaching from the Bible, yes, but he's making real logical sense of what's happening right now. Like we have to talk about mental health because the Bible will say, well, yeah, it's a, you know, it's a demon and you had to pray it away. Well, listen, we know that prayer does work. However, we have to put some action behind that. You're going to have to get on somebody's couch or in somebody's office and have conversations about what's happening. You know, we have to create a space for Conversation. So, supporting our grassroots organizers, finding those churches that are out here, you know, doing real time work that is promoting love and unity, but in a real way where it's impacting people so that we know that there are safe havens out here. We have to invest in our. Black communities. I think that that Twitter thread that has, you know, so many black owned businesses from state to state is important. Now we need a black publication that says, listen, here's a directory of small black businesses. When you want to support something on Giving Tuesday, go and find these independent school leaders like Ivy Prep um, in Atlanta that's led by Dr. Charcia nickels or other organizations where you want to really invest and make an impact in our children. Find these businesses, support these businesses. We are so busy wanting to buy Gucci. We have made white people wealthy for too long. We need to make our own people wealthy so that when these times happen, because they're going to come again. When these times happen, we know that we have a strong backbone that, that can uplift our people. We have to invest. We have to educate. We have to reach out we have to embrace, we have to communicate. And if we're not gonna collectively do those things, we're gonna be continuing to have these conversations about why our community is going down instead of being built up.
0: Right. Okay. So um, I, don't, I don't have any closing thoughts today, y'all. Cause I, honestly, I'm about to get in these streets and help with the cleanup, but I did want to end our call on with a moment of silence. Um, because yes. again, in, in some of this, um, the message has gotten lost. And this all started because of police brutality and because of racism and we want justice for brother George Floyd. So um, I wanna have a moment of silence for him, also for the grief and trauma that we're experiencing as a community and uplift us in this moment. So take a couple of seconds. All right. Um, so thanks to everybody that tuned in. Um, we appreciate y'all. Shout out again to my brother Jason, my brother Daniel. I appreciate y'all for you know having this conversation, these bold conversations. We'll definitely be back with more. This is your girl Tanisha out with the People's Voice Pod. Y'all stay safe. Y'all stay up and stay in peace. All right, y'all. These
1: guys. The Jubilee. I'm a new me, giving my enemies something new to see. My community, they be fueling me in the struggle of us. There's a unity, the moral universe. Stay schooling me. Will the king of kings really ruling me? I'm an instrument. Stay in tune with me.